the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, I'll talk with Patrick Miller about the metaverse from a biblical worldview. So you want to stay tuned and hear about this interesting discussion. You can reach me via email at this address anytime, the Plum Line Radio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, the Plum Line Radio at gmail.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Welcome to this edition of The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, my guest is Patrick Miller. And Patrick is a pastor of Digital Ministries at The Crossing in Columbia, Missouri. We're going to talk about the metaverse and explain what that is and look at it, of course, from a biblical worldview, as we do with each and every issue here on The Plum Line. And Patrick, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Jay. Thanks for having me. You bet. I got to say, this is the first time I've ever interviewed a pastor of digital ministries. And this, I guess it's a sign of the times because, you know, probably <laughs> until what, what do you think about 10, 15 years ago, maybe? I, I don't think there would have been any such thing prior to then, right? I don't think there were any pastors of digital ministries until probably about 2005. I think back then there was about six guys in the U.S. who had that title. So I'm a, I would have been a rare breed then. I'm becoming much less rare today. No doubt. And as you have gone into that role, I want to have you share a little bit about why that is. How did the Lord stir this passion in your heart? I have a passion for evangelism. I want people to know Jesus. And I think that Jesus went to the places people live. He went and ate with the sinners and the tax collectors. Paul, when he went to Athens, spoke in the Areopagus amongst the most brilliant philosophers. He went into the marketplaces where people sold their goods and traded ideas. And where do people live their lives today? Well, for many people, especially Gen Alpha, Gen Z, Millennials, and even Gen X and Boomers, all the way up, we are living more and more of our lives online. And so I began to ask the question, how do we share the gospel 
online? How do we reach people for Jesus in the modern day Areopagus, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, or whatever platform you're using? Awesome. Well, I'm sure you have familiarity then with I Am Second, and I'm not going to talk about that now. I just want to bring up the ministry I Am Second because I had a recent edition of The Plumb Line where I featured uh, one of the directors or leaders of that ministry I Am Second. So you can check that out. You can go and look for the past editions of The Plumb Line wherever you go for podcasts. If you go to Spotify, for example, just put in The Plumb Line with Jay Rudolph. Make sure you put my name in as well, as I've noticed there are other shows with that name, but it's The Plumb Line with Jay Rudolph. And you can look that up more because Patrick and I aren't going to focus on that as much as we're going to talk about this idea here called the metaverse. And so we want to move into that here with a basic, as basic and simple of an explanation of what it is. And I've done a reading of the column that you wrote. And by the way, we'll refer to a column that people can find at thegospelcoalition.org. Thegospelcoalition.org. If you search for the word metaverse, I'm sure it will come up. And you're wrote this with a colleague that I'll have you, you know, mention, but in there you guys refer to a definition, and even that was probably a little bit too deep for me to (laughs) to get through. So as basic as we can explain this, what is the metaverse? Yeah, it is a little bit difficult to explain, in part because it's not something that yet exists. So we're talking about the future. (laughs) We're not talking about the present. Now, we can talk about how there's aspects of that future reality coming true fruition in the present. So, so let me try to give a really simple definition. The metaverse is not a digital world. We, we already have a digital world. There are people who are playing video games, digital world. There are people who have avatars on social media, and they're very much so living, in a sense, in digital world. But the metaverse is a digital world of worlds. It's the point at which all of these separate worlds, Twitter, Facebook, video games, uh, your Microsoft Teams, wherever your Zoom account, where all of those things are able to interact with one another in a coherent, comprehensive way, such that you can live portions of your life inside of those digital worlds. You can imagine for a second, uh, maybe you're a remote worker and you work alongside many other remote workers and you could use what's called alternate reality glasses. So these are glasses that basically you put them on and they allow you to see digital things inside of your room that aren't physically there. And so you could use those glasses to see your remote coworkers, to talk to your remote coworkers. You could even use special gloves to give them a handshake or a high five. Um, it's the ability to live and work more and more inside the digital world. Now, I want to be really clear. I'm not making an apologetic for this. I'm simply trying to explain what this is. So it might be helpful to, to go through a few different examples of, of how these things are kind of coming to life in the present, because I do find when we talk about concrete examples, this becomes a little more clear. Yes, and so we'll do that in just a moment. I've worn those glasses, you can't really call them glasses, but I've worn that and I've done the virtual reality thing a few times, and yeah, it's pretty amazing and phenomenal. And so most of our listeners probably have some familiarity with that. So that's just a, a portion of this concept, though. One day, I guess, uh, one of the goals is that you won't even have to put those goggles on. You'll be able to participate in this without even putting something on like that, right? Yeah, so there's two different things that people will talk about in the metaverse. One is virtual reality, which is probably what you're talking about. You can imagine those big goggles you put on, and you are, in a sense, kind of projected into a digital world. You know, everything around you is digitally rendered. Um, You're using graphics to create the world. Alternate reality is slightly different. That would be just like a normal set of glasses that basically through the glasses uh, is projecting holograms or, or digital presences into your living spaces. 
Um, again, a concrete example kind of shows this. There's there's the most one of the most popular apps on the Apple App Store is called Pokemon Go. And what it allows, you know, mostly young people to do is use their phones and the cameras on their phones to walk around their neighborhood or their school. But if they're looking at the screen, it will project a Pokemon into that real world. So it'll look like a little Pikachu is running around on your front yard if you're looking through your phone. That's alternate reality. Now, in that case, your phone is doing it. But imagine wearing glasses where all of a sudden Pikachu is walking around your office. Yeah, and that's one. I know you bring up a few of these in the uh, article here, so let's get into some of these other ones right away because, yeah, that does really help. Uh, I know you mentioned one of them that people have probably seen is Alter Ego, Fox uh, show, so tell us about that. Yeah, so Alter Ego is is a music show, and it features musical artists who aren't performing in the flesh. They have digital avatars, which are projected onto a screen in front of the audience that are doing their performance for them. But what's wild is that the avatars are matching their movements behind stage. So essentially what they're doing is they're projecting a digital version of themselves. And these avatars don't look very human. You know, maybe they're weird elfish creatures or monsters. Um, but what's happening is that you're, you're creating a digital representation or a digital avatar of yourself. And I, I think it's really interesting because many of the musicians who do this, they say they have too much social anxiety to get on stage. And that's why they want to have an avatar or they feel like their body doesn't properly represent them. And so that's why they want an avatar. And while Christians are familiar with the idea of the Imago Dei, that we're made in God's image, we are quickly, rapidly approaching the point where we're going to have to start talking about the Imago Meta, where a self-expressive culture allows self-expressive people to express themselves through self-created bespoke avatars. This is a different world. I mean, we're, we're moving past the, the transgender debate because now we're talking about transdigitalism. Mm, yeah, and transhumanism, which is part of another broadcast that I talked about on artificial intelligence. People can look that one up as well with Ken Michael of Olive Tree Ministries. Did a great job talking about artificial intelligence. But that's going to kind of come into play in our discussion, AI, transhumanism. And you make a statement, the Imago Day is about to encounter the Imago Meta. And I wanted to ask, what is concerning? To me, it jumps right off the page, and, and I can think in my mind here a number of things that are concerning about this, but I'll let you answer or address that. From a biblical worldview, what is concerning about that? Well, I think there's a lot that's concerning about this. Well, let's just start with our theology of the body and of the resurrection. As Christians, our hope isn't that we will live forever without our bodies. Our hope is that Jesus will resurrect us. I mean, that's the gospel. He died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sin so that one day we could be resurrected and live eternally with him in a world that is perfect. Now, if he made our bodies and he loves our bodies, there's something that we lose when we begin to identify with something that's not our body. And so when you have a digital projection of yourself that you've created, that's in your image rather than in the image of God, because your body, that's what's in the image of God. If you're living out and you start to identify more with the digital image that you've created, I think it makes it easier to um, say that I don't care what God thinks about my life. I don't care about what God says I should or shouldn't do with my body. I don't care what God says about my values, my worldview, because my entire world has already been shaped by and defined by me. Hmm. Well, let's continue on that. And probably through the course of this broadcast, we're going to bring in a variety of different aspects that are concerning. And there, you know, certainly are some good things, too, about the advance of technology like this. And we can mention those as well. But uh, a lot of concerns, definitely. And so as we look at this particular one regarding being made in the image 
of God. And I'm sure you've had to do this a lot in your role. How do we speak with particularly the younger generations that are really having to address this and getting consumed with this? How do we steer them toward uh, understanding this, that they have been, as you say, they've received an identity given by God to be his human image bearers? I like that. How do we help them to see that? Well, again, the good news is that the metaverse is really probably five to ten years away. And so I don't think there are many people who identify more strongly with their digital presence than they do with their actual bodies. But I do think that's a possibility that will open up for us in the future. And so I see this as a discipleship question in the present. One of the challenges for a lot of Christian churches is that we have a really poor theology of the body in particular. We talk a lot about souls. We sing songs about going to heaven. And we forget that the body is part of who we are. God made our bodies. We will be resurrected in our bodies. And so I would flip the script a little bit and say right now, one of the most important things that pastors can be doing is discipling people in their theology of the body. And not just that, encouraging people to have embodied relationships. I think the church might end up being one of the last places you can go as a physical person and be received who you are physically, where who you are digitally doesn't matter anymore. Now, I think the challenge in the present is that as more and more people are living their lives online and having conversations with people online, even people that they might know in real life, because we act differently offline, um, we need to continually remind people that uh, being in Christian community with real life people, getting to know them, serving them, caring for them, this is part of our calling. And the more we do that, the more we embed our lives in rich, embodied communities, I think the less attractive these digital fashion meals of reality are going to be. Right, yeah. You've got some great statements here, and I should mention, too, uh, give thanks to the co-columnist with you on this particular piece here. And again, you can find this at thegospelcoalition.org. This is How to Prepare for the Metaverse. Ian Harbour and Patrick Miller, Patrick the one being my guest here on the show, but uh, there's a statement made there to sum up kind of this aspect that we're talking about right now before we get into other aspects in the next segment that says, followers of Jesus must resist constant digital connection forming communities where people intentionally disconnect from virtual reality to be present with others. Amen to that. Look them in the eye, give them a hug, simply be with them. This will be countercultural in the best way. And so I don't know if Ian wrote that or you wrote that, but that's that's very well put, Patrick. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I'll, give, I'll give Ian credit for that one. We work on it together. Ian's a we collaborate on a lot. We're, we're co-workers. And we, again, we both have a passion for reaching people online. And so while I can talk about a lot of the, the dangers and the risks associated with the forthcoming metaverse and just life online in general today, I also think we have to have a bit of a positive view because we do need to engage there. We can't just run away. We can't escape. Yeah, and that is a really good point. And let's start the next segment with that here. So we'll put that thought on hold for a second because there are those, and sometimes I feel that way, to be honest, that you feel like just, uh, you know, stepping out of all of this, you know, craziness of the social media and the, the digital world that we live in. And yet that's not the, the way to, to be as a Christian. We need to engage with these things and particularly engage with the people, of course, that are caught up and, uh, you know, deeply involved in so many of these things. And so, We'll get to that in just a bit here on The Plum Line. My guest is Patrick Miller. Again, he is pastor of Digital Ministries at The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. And we've got a lot more to come here on The Plum Line. I already shared where you can find past editions. Let me mention, too, that speaking of, you know, all the social media and the like, The Plum Line is on Twitter. So if you want to stay in touch with what's coming up on that, that day's edition, or maybe you want to share a tweet with me, you can do that. Just go to Twitter, look up The Plum Line with Jay Rudolph, 
and you'll find it there. And you can follow me uh, at Twitter. Stay tuned for more to come. The email address where you can reach me is this, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B. Don't forget the B at the end of it, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for the Plumline Radio Ministry is provided by Lori Hammer, functional nutritional therapy practitioner and neuronutrition expert. Lori specializes in brain balancing and hormone health. Whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, brain injury, or hormone disruption, Lori is the practitioner for you. She sees a wide variety of clients throughout the world, virtually or in person. You can find more information about Lori at lorihammer.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E hammer.com. You're tuned in to The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, my guest is Patrick Miller, pastor of Digital Ministries at The Crossing in Columbia, Missouri. We're talking about the metaverse. And if you missed an explanation of what it is, well, we won't go back through that territory every time here. But again, you can find the past editions. You can listen to the earlier portions of this broadcast when you go places where you find podcasts and just put in The Plum Line with Jay Rudolph. So we're going to kind of pick up right where we left off, and that was this idea that it's tempting to just kind of divorce yourself or separate yourself from all the craziness of social media and uh, the digital world that we are in. But that's not, and I would agree with you, you kind of made a statement there that I agree with, that's not really what a Christian ought to do to just, you know, separate themselves from from the world. When we're told to not love the world or anything in it, that doesn't mean that we just, you know, have nothing to do with people or the people of the world by any means, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I absolutely agree. So tell us a little bit about what we should do instead when we're talking about the metaverse and how do we address this? How do we speak with people about it? Yeah, you know, again, I think one of the keys is going to be discipleship in the present. Um, And part of that discipleship is being very realistic about what digital technology allows us to do. One of the challenges that comes with digital technology is that it tends to pantomime God. It's very godlike. I'll use some big words and I'll explain them, you know. God is omnipotent. In other words, he, he has all of the power. God is omnipresent. He, he can be everywhere all the time. God is omniscient. He knows all. He sees all. And in many ways, digital technology tries to free us to do exactly that, especially the omnipresence thing. I mean, let me give you a little example here. Uh, there was a performance on a video game called Fortnite. It's a first-person shooter. It's one of the most popular games in the world. And the performance was by a rap artist named Travis Scott. And in this performance, more than 30 million players from all around the world came and were a part of Travis Scott's rap concert inside of the video game. And they weren't just watching it. They were participating. They were moving characters around. They were interacting with him. And his performance was live. He, he had a suit on. So what he was doing in studio was being projected into the video game. Now, just stop and think about that. Travis Scott, in a bizarre sense, experienced omnipresence. He was able to be present anywhere, but so were the players. They didn't have to go to an actual Travis Scott concert embodied in the flesh to see a real life or a digital life uh, performance. Another example of this might be a a new game by Microsoft called Microsoft's Flight Simulator. It contains over 2.5 million gigabytes. That's 2.5 terabytes of data. It's a massive amount of data because Microsoft mapped the entire real world down to every single tree and built it into the video game. It has 2 trillion unique trees and 1.5 billion unique buildings. And what's even more wild is that this flight simulator, it matches real world activity. So what's happening on the ground can be seen inside the flight simulator, especially 
weather. So, for example, someone got into the game and flew their plane into a hurricane just to see well, what's happening on the inside of the hurricane. This is called a mirror world. But again, it gives you, as a person who has to live in a particular place, whether that's Iowa or Missouri or New York or Ohio or wherever you're, you're at, you have to live in a particular place. But the digital technology, it frees you to be omnipresent. It's as though you can go anywhere. It's as though you can be anywhere. And it's not just that. It gives you a sense of omniscience. I mean, we already feel that in some sense with Google. I have a question. I can Google it. But as AI develops and as, as AI is integrated into the metaverse, we won't have to do the hard work of learning anymore because the information will be right there on our screens. You walk up to someone and in your glasses, it will identify who that person is. It will tell you their name. It will tell you their information. And you don't even have to know people now. You can pretend like I remember who you are and I remember your story. But really, it's all of this technology that's doing it. And so in other words, it's allowing us to pantomime God's power, God's presence. And I think there's a real risk to that because that was the temptation with the Tower of Babel. It was to build a tower into the heavens and say, hey, God, we can be like you. And I was at a knee temptation. We can be like you. Hey, God, we can have as much power as you. And, and that's the real temptation that I think everybody is drawn to in digital technology is we want to be godlike, maybe in some unhealthy ways. Um, but the reality is I think we need, again, on a local discipleship level to begin training people that the boundaries God has given us. You are not omnipresent. You are on, you are not omniscient. You don't know everything. You're not all powerful. Those are gifts from God. God wants us to live inside of boundaries. God wants us to live in limits. It is a huge grace. I don't have to be God. God can be God, not me. Mm, yeah, yeah. Let's take that a little bit farther because obviously that's kind of just what happened to Satan, what you're describing there, wanted to be like God or be God, and he tried to tempt Jesus in that manner, certainly too, and we're all tempted in that way too. Adam and Eve definitely were, and a sin nature that we picked up too from our first parents there, our ancestors, carries on that fact that we many times want to be, even if we don't acknowledge or recognize it, by the way that we act, things that we do or say, it's like we want to be God ourselves, and so I want to take that a little bit farther because convincing people, you know, when you look at this technology and just the amazing things that it can do, then to try to convince them it's not right, it's not going to be beneficial to you to try to be like God is a challenging thing probably to convince people of that. Oh, I think it is challenging because it goes against our sinful intuitions. <laughs> Given the choice to work hard or to be lazy and get the same results, most of us, because of the sin inside of our hearts, are going to say, I'd, I'd rather be lazy. Given the choice to think hard and learn or just have a computer do the work for you, again, many of us will give in to the temptation to do otherwise. There's a great quote by Sir Joshua Reynolds. He said, there is no expedient reason to which a man will not resort to avoid the real labor of thinking. And I think that's, of course, the challenge, not just of AI, but of the metaverse in general, is that if it makes our lives easier, we're going to do it. But of course, part of discipleship is being formed and shaped and embracing the God-given limits we have. I have to learn. I have to work. I have to be in a body. And that's a gift because you can't grow in wisdom. You can't grow in grace unless you do the hard work of actually living with wisdom and growing in grace. Let's talk a little bit about what you see this all leading to. A uh, previous guest that I had on, I mentioned him earlier, Ken Michael from Olive Tree Ministries. We talked a lot about kind of end times, and so I'm not necessarily asking about, you know, the coming of the Antichrist and things like that, although if you want to bring that in, you certainly can. But what do you see this all leading to, the growth in artificial intelligence, the metaverse, and all these things? You know, why are those behind it doing this? You know, it, it's difficult to tell. One of the challenges that we face, especially in modern America, 
is that you know we've we've bought into a form of pragmatism and scientism. And by that, I simply mean this: we have a mentality, especially in the West, that if we can do it, well, we should do it. And so what we're seeing is that the people who are running a lot of these companies, whether that's Facebook or now it's called Meta, ironically, <laughs> or the very you know open AI, these companies that are building out um, large language AI models, is that they are not often asking the ethical question. Now, why? Well, on the one hand, it's because they're pragmatists, right? They're saying, well, if we can do it, why wouldn't we do it? If it makes life easier, why, why, why wouldn't we do these things? But on the other side, they don't have a rich, deep ethic for their lives. They don't have a question of what's the end goal of humanity? What's the end goal of man? And does creating this technology compromise that end goal of humanity, who God's called us to be? Well, that's a question only Christians can ask. And so ironically, I think part of the call is Christians, we cannot try to escape from the tech sphere. We need faithful Christians who are developers, who are programmers, who are managers in these companies, who become CEOs, CFOs, who, who are leading at the top level, who will be the ones in the room who ask the question, yes, we can do this, but should we do this? If we don't have Christians in the room inside of our modern day Babylon, those questions aren't going to be asked. And so, I, you know, I would just encourage Christians, don't, don't dissuade your friends from being involved in the tech industry. We need to be there. We need to be present. We need to be salt and light. That's a really good point. And I was just thinking, too, at Elon Musk, and I think some others were calling for a pause on this whole development of, of AI. You know, maybe I'm being too much of a cynic. I do have a sense that there are people who are calling for AI to end, possibly for good reasons, or not to end, to pause on it, because they're afraid of stuff that sounds like sci-fi, <laughs> like the AI is going to gain consciousness and take over the world. In uh -huh. fact, the guy who runs OpenAI carries around a briefcase with him that has a fail-safe that if his AI ever reaches consciousness, he can turn it off. Um, I think that's science fiction. I, I don't think a computer will ever be able to replicate human consciousness. And the reality is the research out there suggests that it's not going to happen. I think part of the reason why these companies are doing this is because they've fallen behind on AI. And so they're, they're saying, hey, let's press pause. But really behind closed doors are saying, well, let's press pause so we can catch up and be a part of the game. Well, my guest again is Patrick Miller, and we've got a lot to cover here yet. We've worked our way through much of the column that you can again find at thegospelcoalition.org about the metaverse that was written by Patrick and by a colleague, Ian Harbour. You can find that again at thegospelcoalition.org website. And join me tomorrow for the next edition of The Plumb Line, where we'll continue this discussion about the metaverse with my guest, Patrick Miller. There's some additional Bible verses I want to bring into the discussion so we'll see you next time on The Plumb Line. The Plumb Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.